Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. All right, welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Mark, uh, from ABI Wellness. Today is, I'm just, I'm really excited. I got a full heart today um, coming into coming into this podcast as I have somebody who I've known for probably just about a year here. Um, uh, someone who is really uh, heavily specialized in, in mindfulness as a practice and somebody that I, I really respect a lot for her journey into mindfulness and her, her commitment to teaching the practice through coaching the practice. She's somebody that, that, that work, has worked in the university setting and still does, I believe, and also does consulting services. And uh, she's gonna really uncover today the link between mindfulness, um, the brain, health and wellness. So um, I'd like to formally welcome Nina Paul to the podcast. Nina, welcome. Thank you so much. It, it's such a pleasure to be here, Mark. It, it really is. I'm a big proponent of brain health and uh, I'm all very much into brain hacks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. You know, I feel fortunate to have you kind of as a part of, of our network, you know, of, of really remarkable people. And that's how we became connected, right? Was through kind of mutual colleagues. So it's, uh, it's really, really nice to have you on here today. And I think for many people, they're really going to want to listen up and hear um, some of the messages that you have to share. So um, typically our listeners, people who listen to this, these might be professionals in the brain health space. They might, they might be individuals that have had a brain injury or, or are concerned about brain health or looking to optimize their brain. Um, or they might be anywhere in between. So as we think about this, this world of brain health, where there's a lot of things out there, there's a lot of supplements, there's a lot of programs. Um, what would be your main message for those that are listening about kind of your perspective and informing the world of kind of brain health? Yeah, I think the best place for me to start is um, how I first started practicing myself. So I was in my mid twenties and I had moved from Delaware to California and made all these other major life changes all at once. I, so I'd quit my job. I was changing careers. Um, About a year later, I was married and uh, we moved again after I got married. So I quit my second job and then I hurt my back and we bought a house. So uh, just a few little things. Yeah. Um, But what happened was very scary. I actually had um, panic attacks, which was a severe kind of stress response where my, my body was in a constant state of fight flight response. And, um, you know, my thoughts were of a very um, anxious nature. And uh, I really didn't know what was going on. I felt like I was dying because I had the physiological 
symptoms and I also had the um, mental symptoms of, of the thoughts. So first I started by going to my regular general practitioner and she diagnosed me with severe anxiety. And she said, you're having you know, panic attacks that's probably related to all of these changes you've made. And so she recommended um, a mindfulness program mm -hmm. at the local hospital and uh, therapy. And so I signed up for both and uh, therapy was very helpful. And, but what I noticed with therapy was that while I was in therapy with my therapist, it was very, very helpful, but, and we would meet once a week, but in the time between, I was back to feeling anxious and depressed and overwhelmed and stuck again, and found I didn't really have any resources to use in between sessions. But when I got into the mindfulness classes, uh, that's what really helped me figure out a way to relate to my stress, relate to my anxiety, um, my feelings of helplessness and hopelessness um, in a more resilient way. So mm -hmm. um, fundamental in my journey has been using mindfulness practices for stress reduction and emotional resilience. And so um, that was hugely helpful um, and I continue to practice and have practiced, you know, on and off up until about, so that was like 1996. I practiced mindfulness and yoga on and off for about 10 years. And then in 2012, I got serious about practicing mindfulness awesome. again, regularly. And so if we're to kind of distill that and thank you for that what a journey like holy smokes and and what I love is such a level of authenticity that you really have an understanding as to what the power of a practice that is that is rooted in mindfulness can have in one's life so for people that are listening you know listen up here you know what's the distilled kind of message that you'd want to share around mindfulness and its usage to support brain health yeah, so when I recommitted to having a, a regular mindful, mindfulness practice in 2012, uh, I started going deeper into um, you know, what the underpinnings of mindfulness are, um, you know, why does it work in terms of calming us down and, and making us feel more resilient. And I really wanted to take that deeper dive. And I learned that uh, through the work of Rick Hansen. He wrote a book called Buddha's Brain, which was all about the intersection of mindfulness, uh, neuroscience, and psychology. And I learned about how, you know, the studies were showing that when you practice mindfulness, you know, regularly, hmm. you were actually strengthening uh, the connections in your brain between the prefrontal cortex, so the rational center of your brain, like the CEO of the brain, mm -hmm. with your emotional center of your brain. And, and by emotional center, I mean mm -hmm. the amygdala, which is that part of a system in our brain, which where it's constantly scanning our environments for threats, you know, danger, right. danger, and then fight or 
flight flight or flight response. And if it um, if it does recognize a threat, then it recruits the other systems in our bot in our nervous system um, so that we can mount a protective response. And, and, you know, so that works really well if you need to run out of a burning building or you're being chased by an attacker or, you know, you got to get right. out of the street, a car's coming at you, right? So um, I learned that that's, you know, a very protective response. It's part of our biology, uh, but it's not helpful when your mind and body are in a, like a constant low level state of stress where, you're constantly kind of up in your thoughts, thinking about your daily stressors, like right. your job or the mortgage or bills, or um, why did that person look at you funny at work or, you know, <laughs> relationships, you know, all the stressors of daily life. And if you're constantly up in your head, having thoughts in a ruminative mm. way, in a negative way, um, that that starts that that's not good for the brain, right? So the brain mm -hmm. starts to create these habits of mind that make you feel constantly low-level stress. And so what I learned that you know through Rick Hansen's work that was when you practice mindfulness, you're strengthening the emotional center of your brain and the connections to the prefrontal cortex so that it can you can perceive stress in a more resilient way. I love it. That's so good. I mean, yeah. that's a great main message, you know, like by taking on a practice like, like mindfulness, you can actually um, gain more control and functionality in your brain. And that is like, like really listen to what Nina had to say there <laughs> because it's wonderful. And she's been there. That's the thing. There's a level of authenticity. I always appreciate it when someone is working with me who's been where I have been. And, and that is, you know, such a, such a great, uh, such a great main message for people to, to receive. Now, the next question I would love to ask <laughs> is that if, you know, being that you, you, you've been in this work for, for a while now, and you're aware of, uh, of, of Rick's work, and I'm a fan of his work as well as you and I uh, both are, um, uh, I, I think that, you know, if, if you could influence change in the world, if you had a vision for kind of the future in brain health, what would that look like for you? And I'm, I'm curious to, to hear kind of some of your thoughts around this. No, I think about heart health, right? And I think about how, when I go to the doctor, you know, I get my lipid profile, um, you know, I get my EKG and I get some other blood work that um, is indicative or the results are going to show, you know, what kind of shape my heart is in, right? Mm -hmm. and, and blood pressure and things like that. And, uh, and then, you know, you feel better because you kind of know where you stand in terms of your heart health. Here's what I need to do more of. And, and you know, right here's what I need to change. I don't really think there's that standardized protocol for brain health. Mm -hmm. And um, from the work, you know, I've, I've read a little bit in, in terms of brain injury and some of the work you're doing, and, and there's not that kind of standardized protocol for brain injury. Um, so, so that's really what, what I would like to see change in term of, terms of brain health. And then also, um, 
what is the daily platter, you know, of, of brain health practices you should be engaging in. Like we know mm -hmm. exercise is great for the heart. Um, mm -hmm. We know eating certain foods. So, so that's what I would like to see. Um, and, and I, I feel like I'm affecting change in the area of mindfulness because I'm thrilled that in public education, uh, social and emotional learning is now part of the curriculum. Right. And right. mindfulness practices are being brought in as a way to strengthen uh, students emotional resilience. I love so, that. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, getting. I'm with you. <laughs> and, yeah. and what a great vision for the future it is. And it's really promising for me to hear about some of the organizations out there right now looking to fulfill that vision through technology. You know, um, there's a couple of groups that I that I know of, and there's many more out there as well, who are looking to find ways to reliably assess one's brain health on, you know, at any time. And I think that is really useful, uh, because then we better understand our baseline. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Wouldn't that be great? And um, now, this one I'm curious about, because you and I, when we talk, it, it always feels like maybe a book club meeting. But, but um, as you think about, you know, some of the most, and you've already mentioned a couple, uh, some of the most influential books on your, on your practice, on your perspective, you know, what might those be? Those could be research articles, those could be, you know, um, books. What, what might those be uh, for you? Yeah, I have a few. Do you have time? No. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, so, so returning to, you know, when I initially um, took the mindfulness based stress reduction program at that time in my life where I was under so much stress, I was reading the books um, written by the developer of that program, John Kabat-Zinn. So mm. full, full catastrophe living, mindfulness for beginners. When I, you know, returned to taking that deep dive into mindfulness uh, later on. I read a book, I came across a book and a program called Awakening Joy and uh, by James Baraz, who's a well-known meditation teacher out in Spirit Rock in California. And he talked about using the practices of mindfulness to increase happiness, to awaken joy. And that really blew my mind, you know, because until that point, I was really practicing just to relieve stress and right. to be, to learn to be more balanced. And so that one really blew my way. It blew me away. And, and Rick Hansen's work also touches on that because he stresses the importance in Buddha's brain of taking in the good. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. using mindfulness, not to just um, not just for stress reduction, but to be able to notice and appreciate the small moments of joy, you know, that we all already have in our life, you know, being out in nature or in the sunshine or, you know, having I love that. Warm, warm connection with someone, right? Just being Taking able to- Taking in the good. I mean, yeah. that's something to really highlight. And I, I remember- I think you and I already talked about that. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's something, what I, what I really liked, and it, it hits on what you said earlier, is the, you know, the connection between um, kind of mind and brain, right? The, the, the neurology and the behavior, 
you know, and what Rick does a really nice job of in, in the follow-up book, uh, Hardwiring Happiness, he really talks about the hardwired negativity bias that we have, which is almost like an obstacle for some of us, <laughs> right? It, but it's, it's one of those things just to recognize and kind of our, our, our brains are built this way. You know, there, there, there's, there's a hardwired negativity bias, but by taking in more of the good, we can actually wire it uh, in a newer or joyful way. And I think that's so cool. I love it, the work you're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so cool. And, and it's, there's, there's an article uh, I read it based on a study done by Harvard and it was called uh, a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the article was, was speaking to is as humans, we spend at least 50% of our time in mind wandering mode, right? Which is the opposite mm -hmm. of mindfulness because in mindfulness we're being, we're training to be present. Um, so, but when we're in mind wandering mode, our, our thoughts are usually of that negative nature, like, cause we're thinking about something that already happened in the past, maybe regretting it or planning for the future, maybe worrying about it right? And, or thinking about our bills, things we need to get done that innate negativity bias. And so he reminds us to level the playing field and also turn attention to what's already good in your life, right? right. Simple or profound. And then I learned later on too that in the field of positive psychology uh, and the work of the researcher, Richard Davidson, that mm. Strengthening positive emotions is also um, a part of uh, strengthening brain health. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love it. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll have those, those reads in the, in the show notes. I mean, you covered, you covered them all. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Kevin Zen is wow. Amazing. And, uh, and Rick is, is awesome. Um, so when you, when you think about, you know, um, what's, what's one, one thing, only one thing that you would want to change in the world of brain health? If you can only change just one thing, what would that be? I think that it's already happening and I want to strengthen that message that there is a trustworthy path that you can take mm. in the form of mindfulness and you get to choose how you want to practice that path. It, it can be in moments, it can be in formal practice, uh, but it's a trustworthy path to building and strengthening your brain health, your resilience. So I'm going to keep on um, strengthening that message and teaching, you know, where I teach, I teach it to college students, teens, mm -hmm. adults, and I meet these people at a time in their life when they're stressed or you know, really facing some something traumatic. And I see all the time how it really helps them create, you know, build that agency and self-compassion and, and emotional resilience. So they start to feel more confident and inner resourced to better meet their stress and take better care, you know, self-care and brain care kind of go together. I I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I love doing. it. And, yeah. and I, and I think, you know, when we think about that, you know, um, 
the, the one thing that we, that we want to try to change is that starting a mindfulness practice can be whatever you want that to be for wherever you're at. So if it starts with one minute of trying to just acknowledge how many thoughts you actually have going on, that's actually a, a start. That's a great start. Because when we're running on almost autopilot, it's like we're not even aware how active that prefrontal cortex is, right? And how many different thoughts are going through our mind. So if we can just acknowledge those as thoughts and be like, well, that's just a thought. That's all that is. Hi, thought. <laughs> and kind of move forward on that. I'd love that. And I think that's something that if, if people that are listening, you know, we have, you know, a coach in mindfulness here with us saying, all of us have the capacity to start a mindfulness practice. And that doesn't mean that we have to be able to, to get into the lotus position and spend a day in silence. It might mean that for some, but for others, it might mean being able to just quiet down for five minutes in the day and, and try to just mindfully breathe and be aware of our body. You know, the, the, they're both mindfulness and it's not about a, it's not about one being better than the other. You can build out uh, whatever is best for you. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love the way you describe that market. It's so true. And that's what I always uh, let people know that you can practice in moments throughout your day or more formally. And you're right. You just meet yourself exactly where you are in the moment. There's a, I, I can leave you with a, uh, a practice that is mm. about taking Please. that moment. It's an acronym. It's called STOP. So we can stop right here and just take a pause, take a, a deep breath, take a deep breath in, deep breath out. And just observe if you want to observe internally, you know, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling? What's my intention? What do I plan to do? And then proceed. So you can take those stop moments throughout your day, just stop and pause, take a deep breath, a few deep breaths, observe what's going on, proceed. You might find you feel more centered, more intentional uh, as you go to the next part of your day. So I can leave you with that. That is wonderful. <laughs> I mean, so for people that are out there listening right now, and just thank you, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and your passion for this work. Uh, and your commitment to service. Um, if people are out there listening right now and they're saying, wow, I was able to actually stop for a minute there. She, you know, she could really help me. How can people get in touch with you and support your work and, and, and contact you if they're interested in, in, in working with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can uh, go to my website, npmindfulcoach.com. You can get in contact with me through the website and you can take a look uh, on the website. There's practices you can engage in. There's a stop practice we just did that's on the website. There's articles. And basically I teach one-on-one -on -one as a coach and I teach workshops and classes. Perfect. So there's there's plenty of ways. And, and also you may be at a point in your life where you, know, you have some stress you'd like to mm you know, deal with it better, or you're having more, you know, painful things going on. And we can just start by having a conversation so I can connect the dots for you and show you how mindfulness can help. That's wonderful. Well, again, 
I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your commitment to this work. I'm sure you've helped so many people um, to get to a place where they can help themselves more. And that's what's so great is this, is this whole, you know, um, teach the person how to fish. And I think that's just a wonderful gift that you, that you continue to give. And please, please, you're interested to learn more, reach out to her. All of the contact information will be in the show notes and we will have to do this again. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Don't forget to check back for a new Brain Mastery segment every week. Here's a sneak peek of our next thought-provoking interview. We're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the work that, that our organization has been involved with in partnership uh, with the with the BrainX organization in, in studying um, uh, and researching, um, you know, challenges in executive functioning and some brain fog in uh, kind of the MTBI uh, population, just for context, um, so that we can understand. And I'm just going to pass it over to our director of research, Sean Porter, um, to walk through some of these data. Uh, thanks, Mark, for the for for that. Um, so as as Mark mentioned, you know, COVID nineteen is new, uh, but brain fog is definitely not. And so uh, following brain injury, whether it's concussion, uh, traumatic brain injury, stroke, uh, once you enter into the chronic stage of recovery, uh, there are a lot of individuals who suffer very similar symptoms as uh, brain fog. So the forgetfulness, the difficulty concentrating, the high levels of fatigue. And so ABI Wellness has been working for years looking to address this, uh, and uh, sorry, to address these uh, higher order cognitive functions, and really focused on improving the quality of life. And so we began by looking at research. And so we completed a couple of studies with the University of British Columbia, and where we found following our intervention, uh, we saw significant improvements in uh, some brain imaging, as well as neuropsychological measures. In particular, we found changes in fluid uh, fluid cognition, uh, which is uh, reflects an individual's capacity to process, integrate information, act, and solve novel problems, which in, with everything we're seeing with COVID-19 is very similar. And following that up, we really did a second study to see, you know, would, if we brought in a lot of the best of evidence, so beyond just this cognitive training program that's particular to ABI wellness. Um, so I'm talking about exercise, mindfulness, and uh, holistic tracking the entire process. What kind of an impact would that have? And once again, we found very similar uh, changes to uh, cognition, uh, brain connectivity, and then significant improvements of mental health as well. So anxiety and depression, which I think is spiking I think we're seeing it spiking all over the world right now. So uh, all very positive. And so while this is not COVID-19, uh, it is very similar in how it presents and impacts people's quality of life. And so here at ABI Wellness, we're, we're committed to helping to improve quality of life across uh, individuals. And I think we believe that this is something that could help this very large population of people struggling after having COVID. Thank you so much for listening to the Brain Mastery Podcast brought to you by ABI Wellness. Be sure to follow us on social media channels at ABI Wellness.
The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.